You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and thanks for being here. There were a few mentions of the environment during the big speeches we heard last week at the Democratic National Convention. It's an area of public policy that affects us all. What have Democrats and Republicans said and not said about the environment during this campaign, and what role will the next president play in combating climate change? How can someone affect the air we breathe and water we drink here in Detroit? from the White House. This is a place where we deal with an awful lot of severe pollution. Detroit Today producer Jake Neer spoke with Kimberly Hill Knott. She's the director of policy at Detroit working for environmental justice. She says there were some positives that came out of Philadelphia last week. What really stood out to me was the focus on clean energy and climate change. And so we know that these are two very emerging issues and uh, very important issues, particularly in urban centers, because of all of the pollution uh, that we have and because of the uh, the number of communities that uh, have coal-fired power plants. And so as we're transitioning as a community or as a society away from coal to clean energy, it, it certainly makes sense for um, these issues to be um, dominant themes throughout the convention. Sure. And, and, and how have they been doing on that? I mean, in terms of uh, what has been said and maybe what's missing from the conversation right now, it seems like there's been a lot made of uh, sort of passing uh, discussions about the environment or, you know, passing mentions of things like climate change and things like that. But when it comes to maybe a deeper discussion, uh, I personally haven't seen a whole lot of that. Well, I think that's a very good question. One of the things that I was disappointed in not hearing was more of a focus on environmental justice and climate justice, uh, which are uh, very important components of the environmental uh, discussion in the environmental movement. And you really cannot have um, uh, an environmental um, statement or focus without talking to uh, about these very important issues that really focus on equity. And it was uh, unfortunate that we did not hear more about that, particularly when you have something called cumulative impact, where you have a concentration of uh, high polluting uh, facilities located in one community. This would have been a perfect opportunity to highlight those issues because, in fact, Hillary Clinton does have uh, environmental justice as part of her platform. Uh, in terms of what that means here in Detroit, can you give us some examples? What are Detroiters seeing in terms of uh, how this issue is playing out locally? Well, so Detroit is working for environmental justice. We're the oldest environmental justice organization um, in the state of Michigan. And in 2011, we actually convened several key stakeholders to form the Detroit Climate Action Collaborative, which is leading the development of the city of Detroit's climate action plan. And so the reason that we engaged in that particular project is because two of the most uh, polluted zip codes in the entire state are located in the city of Detroit. And that is for a 217 and 48209. And so it just made sense uh, to develop a, a pollution control plan um, that really looked at how do we reduce our carbon footprint as well as address many of the other environmental challenges that are plaguing these uh, particular areas and other areas throughout the city. 
And so when we talk about the environment, um, clean air is a natural right. It should not be based on race. It should not be based on class. And it should not be based on geographical location. But unfortunately, it is. And so as Detroit is talking about becoming a sustainable city and talking about becoming um, a a renaissance city and um, a a city that is um, kind of coming back, uh, we cannot come back uh, without being a healthy city, without being um, an economically empowering city. That is important because when you shift to clean energy, there is an opportunity to create many, many jobs. I think that's a really interesting point when you say that here in Detroit, we have, again, this uh, just terribly polluted parts of the city and connecting that with this need that we also have, not just for cleaning up Uh, the pollution, but also to create jobs. I mean, these are things that maybe people don't often connect. I mean, it's been talked about on sort of a broad level, the idea of homegrown jobs here that can't be outsourced, that sort of thing. But when when we're talking about giving that opportunity to individuals here, there is that strong connection that actually does create an opportunity here, correct? That does. You're absolutely right. And I was pleased to hear Mayor Duggan kind of talk about the importance of investing in clean energy and also spurring uh, spurring economic development in the city of Detroit. But um, one of the issues that I think could have also been talked about is also is the importance of addressing local job training agencies, because as we shift to a more knowledge-based economy, um, there will be an opportunity and certainly a need to offer job training programs so that these people can fill these jobs um, and that we do not have to go outside of the state or outside of the country to fulfill these positions. Now, it's one thing, of course, to say, to talk about these things in a in a speech environment, especially at something like a political convention nationally, where you have, you're basically speaking to a captive audience. It's all, well, I guess maybe this year might, might be a little different, but in many cases, you're speaking in sort of an echo chamber. Uh, and, and to put these uh, ideas and these policy proposals out there. But what's actually been happening in terms, in especially the last let's say, eight years under the Obama administration and here locally, uh, you know, recently in recent years, uh, in terms of government policy, you know, how has the government uh, addressed these issues? And uh, are we are we really seeing action at this point or is it mostly talk? Well, one of the most notable actions or um pieces of, of, of policy, uh, regulatory uh, reform policy that has taken place is the Clean Power Plan, which um, many environmental justice leaders and environmental leaders have been um, talking about and expressing concern and interest in terms of addressing. And this is uh, a plan to reduce carbon pollution from existing power plants and not just new power plants. So if it had not been for, for President Obama actually directing the EPA to finalize this plan and for President Obama actually recognizing that climate change was important and making the clean power plan as part of his climate action plan, then um, I think that we would not have had the opportunity or will not have the opportunity 
to experience the, the growth in renewable energy jobs, as well as the health impacts that will result from this final plan. And so I'm proud to join other environmental justice leaders throughout the state of Michigan to make sure that the Clean Power Plan actually has um, an equity component and making sure that whatever comes, whatever is part of the state implementation plan, will make sure that we're uh, really utilizing clean energy, which is renewable energy and not dirty energy. Uh, so there is a shift, a national shift towards natural gas, and natural gas is certainly cleaner than coal, but there's something even cleaner than natural gas, and that is renewable energy. That's clean energy. And so how do we begin to um, make more investments in Michigan around clean energy? How do we get the legislature to understand that energy efficiency is important? A renewable portfolio standard is important. How do we um, uh, encourage utilities, more and more utilities, to begin to invest in renewable energy and have co-op and, and solar programs in low-income communities so that those communities will not only be able to reap um, in terms of health benefits, but also be able to reap in terms of economic benefits because of the jobs that will be generated. Sure. And, and of course, now in Lansing, we have... Well, we were supposed to be in the middle of this big uh, energy overhaul uh, that Republicans are leading right now in, in Lansing for months and months and months now. We've been waiting to see what the final product of that will be, although we it seems like we do know what probably will not be in that plan. One of those things being a, 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 a renewal of the renewable energy uh, portfolio that we've seen some goals talked about uh, in terms of uh, things that the state would hope to achieve, but nothing really, no mandates in terms of uh, increasing that portfolio or even keeping it in place. You know, what are your thoughts at this point? Uh, I mean, a lot of critics have said that these bills have been very much centered around what the uh, big utilities, uh, DTE and consumers have asked for. What have you been doing on this issue? And what do you think? Uh, are you hopeful that, uh, you know, that a better product uh, can come out in terms of what you'd be asking for? I am uh, hopeful that a better product will be um, delivered because there are many people throughout the state that have weighed in on this issue. And um, it's it's interesting to see uh there are people that perhaps we do not typically agree with on certain things, but who believe that energy efficiency and clean energy just makes sense at this time. And so the reason that they were not able to pass that legislation is because they could not even get their own uh, colleagues to vote on it. There were still too many questions. And so that lets us know that um, we're doing a good job of, of uh, educating the legislators and making them understand the impacts that this uh, legislation could have on their particular districts, whether good or bad. Uh, the original version of the bill was absolutely horrible. And so they received a lot of pushback in we're hopeful that when they convene or reconvene um, in September that we will have a much uh, better version of that uh, particular piece of legislation. Mm -hmm. Other than the renewable energy standard uh, or portfolio, uh, what other specific pieces of policy would you like to see uh, added to an overhaul of Michigan's energy policies? Well, I think what really needs to be introduced um, is a feed-in tariff system, which is a system that really allows for uh, residential customers to enjoy the benefits of, of, um, of solar projects and wind projects, so renewable energy 
And of course, we've projects seen projects in their uh, particular communities. And of course, we've seen uh, sort of a uh, discussions, at least in Lansing, around these bills going in the opposite direction. Correct that uh, it would actually, when it comes to the idea of uh, how people feed that energy into the system, and then uh, the idea of them actually buying it back for more yes. money than they sell to the utilities, um, people with solar panels and so forth. Um, you know, it sounds like maybe they're talking about going in the opposite direction of what you're talking about. That's right. And you're referencing the net metering legislation, right. which would, uh, to me, it's it's an attempt to make it cost prohibitive. And um, what we really need to be doing is obviously strengthening that bill to make sure that um, solar energy projects are attractive and they are affordable uh, for everybody, whoever wants to get it. So instead of us trying to roll back the clock on energy efficiency and all of these innovative programs that are cleaning up our communities and creating jobs, uh, it, it makes sense to continue to move forward um, kill this legislation or at least substantially uh, or significantly improve it. It just doesn't make sense that the world is moving forward and Michigan is moving backwards. Mm -hmm. And and before I let you go, I wanted to bring this back a little bit onto the national level. You know, we've been talking for a little bit here about the state uh, and and what's happening uh, with with the energy policies here. But when it comes to the, the candidates this year, for one thing, how does how does Hillary Clinton in your mind stack up to someone like Donald Trump on on environmental issues? You're rolling your eyes, <laughs> but <laughs> and, and, and also no, that's fine. But but also, uh, what have you heard specifically from either candidate that you're either especially uh, you know happy to hear or that you're concerned about? Well, I'll take Donald Trump uh, first. I just don't <laughs> think there's any comparison. Um, Hillary Clinton has been to Flint on several occasions, so she understands the issue with water quality, but she also understands the issue of air quality. And in fact, someone sent me an email, actually a few people sent me an email, I think that was um, an editorial that she did uh, in the Washington, one of the newspapers. But anyway, it talked about there's so many more Flints. Donald Trump, on the other hand, has just been absent from the environmental discussion, except to say that he really does not believe in climate change. And that is something that is very concerning. And that's something that he's been very clear about. And so somehow we've got to get his attention to let him know that this is an important issue. And it's an issue that not only Democrats are uh, supporting, but more and more Republicans are coming on board uh, to acknowledge that climate change is real and also to look at how they develop adaptation and mitigation strategies, which are strategies to reduce the risk, but also to adapt to the inevitable of, uh, of climate change. And I also wanted to get your thoughts on one thing that President Obama said in his speech at the DNC. And that was his mention of of climate change was if we want to address this issue, we also need to first talk to that coal miner in West Virginia who's concerned about feeding his family and the single mom who's worried about gas prices as well. We have to really bring them into the discussion and ease their 
concerns about this. What did you think of that statement? I thought it was a, a very good statement. In fact, I tweeted about it, and and I think I may have put it on Facebook as well. But one of the things I said, and that many environmental justice and other leaders, labor leaders, have been talking about, is a just transition program to make sure that not only are we reducing carbon pollution from those specific facilities and other very dangerous um, uh, pollutants, but we're also looking at how we help those communities to adapt to um, the loss of that economic base. And one of the things that we're really interested in is innovative reuse uh, strategies for those old coal-fired power plants. So if that is at all possible, what are some model programs um, that have been developed to reuse uh, these uh, these uh, facilities that are no longer uh, producing or uh, dealing with coal? Do you have any examples of what, what uh, reuse could, could look like or, or what are some of the things that are being discussed? Well, I think I, I've heard of uh, one uh, site where they've actually um, demolished the uh, the plant and and made it into a green space, a really nice park for the community. Um, I think there's another one that has uh, been talking about um, switching over to renewable energy. So I think those are two good examples. I don't think there are enough examples, but I think that those two could perhaps serve as a model for DTE energy and consumers energy so that they just don't leave those abandoned facilities in that community, and then it becomes a brownfield site. Mm. Okay. Kimberly Hill-Nutt, Director of Policy at Detroit Working for Environmental Justice. Thank you so much for uh, coming in. Really appreciate that. Thank you so much for having me. That was Detroit Today producer Jake Neer speaking with Kimberly Hill-Nutt, who is the Policy Director at Detroit Working for Environmental Justice. Up next, we're going to talk about the so-called missing middle in Southeast Michigan's housing market. Stay with us on Detroit Today.